You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today, going to be doing kind of a standalone message. Just finished a series uh, called The God I Never Knew in the last few weeks, really uh, taught about the Holy Spirit. If you missed that, you can catch the podcast uh, for any of those messages. But uh, today is, I've still really just feel impressed to, to speak into something that I, I talked about briefly at our encounter night, uh, but I believe is just a word for our season where we are as a church. And uh, it's the, the title, if you're taking notes, is The Prayer That God Loves to Answer. The Prayer That God Loves to Answer. And we're in First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, uh, verses 9 and 10. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is a, uh, this is a, part of a genealogy, which is usually the parts of the Bible that a lot of people as they're reading through, they don't spend a lot of time in. You know, you kind of read through it and go, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and you know, that was obviously essential and very important to know whether it was the priesthood or the leadership of Israel and to know kind of the generations that were coming uh, and how, how from one generation to the next, God passed along his purpose, his inheritance, his plan. But right in the middle of, of one of these lists of genealogies is uh, a two-verse statement that describes uh, in really a summary of a, of a unique but special life that God did something very powerful in answer to prayer that I believe is also a model for us in our prayer life, in our relationship with God, to, to see him uh, really do what he wants to do in our lives. And this is uh, maybe familiar to you, the prayer of Jabez. Uh, we're in First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. It says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Anybody have siblings and you feel that way sometimes? Uh, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez. Now Jabez, as, as you may know, in the Bible, names carried significance. It was more than just, you know, find a name out of a baby name book, find what's popular. Uh, oftentimes names were assigned to uh, a, a, a prophetic inheritance over their life. And so the, the word to name in Hebrew means literally to brand. It's the word Shem. It means to brand somebody. And so names carried weight and significance and oftentimes were either spoken about the potential or were sometimes tragically a, a declaration of a curse. And that's what we see here in the life of Jabez. Jabez's name means he shall cause pain. So great name to be named. Thank you, mama. Uh, he shall cause pain. And here's what his mother said, because I bore him in pain because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, verse 10, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. He prays four things. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And I love this simple but powerful statement that it gives here. And you see this in several times throughout the Bible where it just simply summarizes. It doesn't say how God answered. It just says that he did. And so God granted him what he requested. Jabez was more honorable. 
And, and that word in Hebrew as well, to do a quick study for you, it means literally to be weighty, to be substantive. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the word that's used in other places for glory. And the idea here is that Jabez was, was not just one of the crowd. He wasn't just another name, even in his own family. Jabez was, was stood out because there was something different on the inside of him that wasn't about what he was called, wasn't about what his history had been or what even the pain of his family had put on him for his potential future. But Jabez, rather than just being known as the one who shall cause pain for the rest of his life, didn't let that define him, but actually responded differently. Just because you're treated dishonorably doesn't mean you have to react in dishonor. And there was something about Jabez that was different. And you may feel different. Anybody ever feel different? Like you just, you feel like I don't quite fit in this group. I don't quite fit in this environment. I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit different at work. I'm a little bit different, you know, in school. And, and, and that's not always a bad thing because sometimes being set apart means that you're going to be different from the crowd. And you're not kept from something. You're kept for someone. You're kept for the purpose of God. I talk to people all the time, they're, they're disappointed about why this didn't work out and that relationship didn't happen or that job didn't work out. And, and yet here's what you have to recognize. When you said yes to Jesus, you became set apart for God's purpose, for something greater than what temporary circumstances can offer. You're created for eternity. And, and, and when you discover that, God wants to do something great on the inside of you. And, and so, so Jabez is more weighty. There's something in his character. There's something in his response. So many people are victims of their circumstance instead of overcomers. Even as Christians, we forget what we're created to do. We forget who we are. In Christ, we forget what we've been given in Jesus. And I think when we forget who we are in Jesus, we forget what we've been given and we become victims of circumstance instead of ones that are change agents, that are, that are, that are mountain movers, that, that see the purpose and will of God fulfilled in their life. And so Jabez could have said, it's unfair. I'm not gonna ask you who's ever said it's unfair. I've said that. I've thought that. I've had moments where I've, I've said, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Why are they doing this? Why is this happening? And, and, and Jabez could have done that. In fact, is everything up until the point where he began to pray, he had, I mean, you could just look at how messed up it is. His mom, who should have been the one to nurture and encourage. And, and I don't know if it was just because of, of what, you know, the circumstances of his childbirth or maybe some kind of trauma and pain in her own life, but tragically people, sometimes it should have lifted us, tear us down. Sometimes even spiritual leadership can do that. Sometimes even the church has, been, has done that and people become wounded by their circumstances and what people have said and done. But you don't ever have to react and carry a label based on what's unfair. You don't ever have to be defined by your circumstance. God, God's looking for, I love this about Jabez, he wasn't limited, he didn't stay limited. Yeah, he was given an unfair hand. Yeah, yeah, his one that should have lifted him up tore him down. But that's what hurting people do, that's what insecure people do. But Jabez didn't let his circumstance define his future. And when you have God with you, you don't have to be a victim. The Bible doesn't say we're more than survivors, but more than conquerors through him who loved us. When you know you're loved by God, when you know you've been accepted by God, it doesn't matter who rejected you. 
And I don't mean we walk through life going, you know, with, with a wall up, because sometimes people that say, well, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, actually care very much what people think about them. And they try to reject others before they can be. But, but God wants to heal our hearts. He wants to fill us with his love. And he wants to make us confident, not in of ourselves, but our identity in him. Because the world didn't give that and the world can't take that. And Jabez is more weighty than his brothers. And so there's something inside of him that's bigger than his circumstances. And you know, as the church, you know what the church is to be? I told you last week, the church is to be a spiritual hospital, a healing place where anybody from any place, any background, any, any story can come and find redemption and healing in Jesus. But it's also training camp. I had no idea church was training camp. Absolutely. Because God wants to equip us for our purpose. What we were created for, what we were born for, what you were made for. You have a calling and a purpose from God. And, and our goal, listen, as the church, you know, we're, we're now going to be two years old. And I'm so thankful for all that God's done and the lives that, that we've been able to see reach. But you know, the goal is never just to be a big church. Now, I believe in having, you know, some people, they, they, they're like, well, I don't believe in big churches. Well, I believe in making hell small and heaven big. So that means we want to reach a lot of people. I, well, I, I just wanted like cheers where everyone knows my name. <laughs> let's, 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 see, let's see North Iowa one for Jesus. But you know, our goal isn't just to build a big church. It's actually to build big people to see a Jabez not limited by the circumstances of his history and his family and, and, and what he was raised in, but instead discover that he was created for the purpose of God. I, I, I don't have this in, in the slides for our media team, but 1 Samuel 22.2 says that King David, David was a giant killer. We know that. He took down Goliath at a young age, but giant killers aren't just meant to be uh, successful in their own life. They're meant to reproduce giant killers. And J David has an unfair situation happen to him. His boss is the worst boss he, anybody's ever worked for. His boss, King Saul, tries to kill him. Because rather than lifting David, he it tries to tear him down. That's, again, what insecure, hurting people do. But here's what happens. David flees for his life and he goes all by himself into the middle of the wilderness, a place called Adullam. Uh, and, and while he's there, it says this in uh, verse two. It says, everyone who is in distress, everyone who is in debt, and everyone who is discontented gathered to him. Sounds like a fun small group to me. <laughs> And, and, and a, a group of people who have probably dealt with the same issues, who have who've all dealt with all kinds of adverse life circumstances and in many cases have gotten themselves into the mess, have all begun to gather around David. The next time you see the same group, they're not known as those who are in distress, in debt and discontent. They're known as David's mighty men. And several of them become giant killers because they've hung around a giant killer. And it's something happens. Now, we have Jesus, and he's the one who takes down our giants. He's the one. You, we, he's the champion maker. When we get around Jesus, he doesn't leave us where he found us. He doesn't leave us broken. He doesn't leave us bound. He doesn't leave us in the place where sin rules our life. He doesn't leave us in the place where shame and fear define our future. He doesn't leave us with the name that he shall cause pain. He, does, he rewrites your story. 
We know this even with kids that they become like what they're around. You know, it's been said, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And, and while that can be, you know, a, a convicting thing, it's also something that I believe that, you know, I, I, I get around, I, listen, I've been doing this a long time. I'm still trying to get around some giant slayers any chance I get. I'm getting around people that challenge my faith, challenge my, my walk with God, that, that cause me, I, I want to see people that are better husbands than I am, better fathers than I am. I want to see people that are better, so I'm getting around all these guys because I want to, I, if I want to be a giant slayer, I'm going to get around some giant slayers, people who have been with Jesus. Jabez, rather than letting his circumstance limit him or constrain him, goes to prayer. Don't, don't ever let your your present circumstance. In fact, pressure can either push you towards God or it can become a limitation. And a lot of people stop at the moment of resistance, at the moment of difficulty, at the moment of, of where things don't work out the way they thought. Instead of allowing what's, been, what's happened to push them to Jesus, who's the answer? You know, my, my counseling strategy, you know, I, I, part of being a pastor is you do pastoral counseling and all kinds of different areas, marriage counseling and helping people. And in almost every situation, while there are nuances and specifics, it's almost always generally go to Jesus. Because <laughs> I found there's a lot of stuff that'll leave you broken, but there's, there's never a moment where I point people to Jesus where he leaves us the same. Okay. I wish I could just preach that for the rest of the time, but um, I think we need to stop accepting what God hasn't given us. Instead, believe for what God has. Uh, Let's go back to Jabez. Jabez prays four things. And and the first thing he prays is, oh, that you would bless me. So so four things real quick. Number one, pray for blessing. So I'm gonna give you four quick things that are, I believe, a model for prayer we see right here with Jabez. Uh, Now, it's funny how sometimes religion has so conditioned us to feel like that's a bad thing to pray for blessing. I think it's because we're no longer convinced of the goodness of God. And here's the thing. Blessing's never about us. It's never meant to, God says to Abraham, I think it's in Genesis 12, he says, I'm gonna bless you and make you a blessing. I'm going to bless your life. What's, what does it mean to be blessed? To, to be blessed is literally to see the goodness of God in action on our behalf. So, so it's, not, it's, it, it's vital because we need God's help. We need God to fill our lives. We need God to bless our lives. And what I love about that is he, he had been given a curse from the very one that should have blessed him. In fact, many cultures in history have as a part of a, a you know, as the process of stepping into adulthood, uh, especially in Jewish culture, you see this, they'll speak blessings over the next generation. And that's, that's, the, that's the model. Read it from the very beginning. God always intended for us to bless, to, uh, to bless those that come after us, to bless others, and, and to pray that, you know, it's not just when somebody sneezes. <laughs> but we're actually to see the goodness of God in action in our lives. And if you have a hard time praying, God bless me, I wonder if you're convinced of the goodness of God like Jabez had to be. 
Jabez could have said, well, you know, this, my mom cursed me, so life's cursed me, and life dealt me a bad hand, and so there's no way God can bless me. No, no. Instead, he said, God, bless me indeed. He, he knew that what God blessed, there's no curse in the world that could stop. You know, that's actually in the Bible. Numbers 23, 20. I love this. It says, what God has blessed, he has blessed and I cannot reverse it. He is blessed and I cannot reverse it. Do you know what the devil recognizes when he sees how blessed you are? He knows he can't reverse it. And I think one of the greatest tactics of the enemy has been to convince people that God isn't good and they shouldn't pray with confidence in the goodness of God. We allow our prayer life to be shaped by disappointment. Or by religion that says you can never, you're going to stay in distress and discontent and it's just your cross to bear. (laughs) Okay, that's a whole other sermon. I got to stop. I'm going like 20 different directions today. Um, I love this. Ephesians chapter one, verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in Christ. So in Christ is everything you'll ever need. And he has blessed you already. And we don't recognize that what we, this is why our identity doesn't come from what people have said or what they've done or even where we've been and what we've done. When you have a relationship with Jesus and you've received forgiveness of sins, you've received a new identity and a new name. It doesn't matter what was given to you. Oh, my parents and oh, my grandparents and oh, my temper and oh, this addiction. And we, we get preoccupied with the problem instead of saying, God, you can heal me. God, bless me indeed. God, you can set my family free. You can, you can heal my marriage. You can restore my life. You can give me a future and a hope. I saw this years ago when I first started, right before I went into full-time ministry, I worked at an inner city youth center and I was volunteering on the weekends, hosting an outreach, much like what we had yesterday. And I was in the toughest neighborhood in Phoenix. It was the highest crime rates. And you know, we had every, every year or two, every couple of years, there'd be like gang turf wars and all this stuff. And we were right in the middle of it. And I remember that the, the, the organization that ran that youth center kind of had largely written off that location because the outside was a mess. The, they had a fence that used to be around a baseball field. Well, the, the field had dried up, the grass had died. Now it was just dirt and rocks and the chain link fence had been cut and it was, it was dangerous and unsafe for the kids. And, and you could find glass bottles and even uh, needles from people using drugs. And there was all kinds of stuff just all over this place. Inside was a mess. The kids ran the place and the staff was stressed out and, and, and their plans were to shut this place down. And we, because the, 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 the new manager was a friend of mine who was a Christian, had been able to open the doors for a outreach on Saturdays, not affiliated, but they would just open up their gym and we'd bring food and clothes and tell people about Jesus. And something happened when a space was made for God. I watched this take place. The very place, I mean, everybody, even within that organization said that place is a mess. We need to shut it down. It was unsafe. It was, a, it was just run poor, all of that. And, and, but when, when we began to see God move, and it had nothing to do with what happened five days a week when it was open. But on Saturday, when, there was, when a door was open and God was moving, people's lives were being changed. You know what began to happen? Favor began to happen. And I literally watched this place in the span of the next year. Had two major companies come in and adopt it had three professional NBA basketball players literally fight each other to bless that place. 
I had on one Saturday an outreach, the NBA sent a camera crew with one of those three basketball players came down to record the stuff that was supposed to happen during the week, but they showed up on the wrong day and they recorded our people getting, you know, Jesus. (laughs) And literally watched that entire place get blessed because there was room made for God. Number two, and I want to spend a little bit more time on this before we, we go. He prayed for increase. He prayed for growth. Luke 2.52, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So, so this is, of course, talking about Jesus as the son of man. He's fully God, but he's also fully man. And it's talking about in Luke 2, it goes from his adolescence right after he's about 12 years old saying, you know, I must be about my father's business, describing what's naturally happening, but he's increasing. He's increasing in stature, in wisdom and understanding, and in favor. And, and Jesus increases, and if Jesus increased in that, how much more do we need to increase in character, in stature, in wisdom, in, in favor with God and man? And see, God wants, when Jabez prayed this, his life could have been defined by what somebody else said. Instead, he said, God, let me grow beyond the bounds of what I've been given. God, enlarge my territory. I think our growth needs to happen in a few areas. We need to grow spiritually, of course. We need to grow in our, in our character, in our walk with God. We need to grow in our faith. We also need to grow in our impact, in the influence of our life. And you may not recognize this, but every life in here influences somebody else. And we've kind of, we've, in our culture, we've taken, you know, the word influence and we've made it about, you know, having a social media account and posting a TikTok dance video which my kids have yet to convince me to do. Um, but but here's, here's what we have to recognize. Every life in here makes an impact. You, you will influence somebody. Jesus called the church to be salt and light. That means that we were born to invade the dark. <laughs> Not complain about it. I know it's quiet in here, Jason. You better play. We're not just meant to point fingers at the dark and criticize the dark and complain about the dark, but we're actually called to be the light. Salt and light. Do you know what salt does? One of my favorite things to eat, it's not keto, but I like to eat anyway, is popcorn. I love to watch a movie with my wife. I love to have popcorn. And uh, when you, when you some, I have to let her season it because I overdo it. I put too much salt and it becomes pickled and it tastes gross. But, but the right amount of salt makes you desire it. And that's what the church is to be. There's something about your life and mine that the influence of your life as a believer in Jesus should make people thirsty for God. Like, like do people encounter us and they want more of what we have? Peter said it this way. He said, be able to at any season, in any moment, give a reason for the hope that's in you. When the world's hopeless, you and I should be filled with hope, filled with anticipation. We should pray for the influence and impact of our life to grow. God, help me to reach more people. Help me to to love more people. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
to all that were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. See, Israel had been taken, the tribe of Judah specifically, been taken from their home, taken to Babylon, taken to a place that was about as ungodly as any place you've ever been. Probably more so, to be honest. And yet, while these Israelites are going into captivity, God has some instructions for them. This is the same chapter where he says, I have plans to give you a future and a hope. They needed to know that because their present circumstance didn't look good. And they're going into an environment that they would have easily said, God, get me out of here. I wonder if we've ever prayed that. God, get me out of this crazy family. Get me out of this environment. Get me out of this job. And I believe, you know, there's times where God will take you from one place to another. Absolutely. But there's three questions I like to ask. Did God send me here? What does God want me to learn? What does God want me to do? Some seasons are meant to grow us. And some seasons are about sending us. And here's what God then says to them in verse five, build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives, beget sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there, not diminished. That you may be increased there, not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace, you will have peace. He says, I'm sending you to this city. I'm sending you to this place. And if they were going to Babylon, the very place they would rather leave. And yet it was the place of their, their God-given purpose. Jabez prayed for two more things. So I'll just say these. Pray for blessing. Pray for growth. Then he prayed for God's hand. God, that your hand would be with me. That's a prayer for God's presence. We need God's hand in our lives. There's a lot of things we can do on our own, but we need God's help. I need God's hand on my life. I need God's hand on my marriage. I need God's hand on my family. I need God's hand in this church. There's just things we can't do on our own. That's why prayer is so essential, church. That's why we pray. That's why we make room for God because we need God's hand on everything we do. The last one is he prayed, God, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Pray for God's protection. If you do anything for God, if you begin to impact any life, the, the, there's, there's a, a battle. And the battle is a, is a, is, the battle is a good indication that you're on the right track. Some of us have begun to pray for things and all of a sudden it seemed like all hell broke loose. We started taking steps toward God and all of a sudden there was a battle, there was a fight. This was going wrong, that was going wrong and we wonder what was happening. We pray for God's protection because God can keep us right in the midst of what we need. We don't have to be afraid of the enemy because God's with you. I'm asking you to stand to your feet. And I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that God would enlarge your territory. Let, let, let's let that be your prayer. I'm not just going to pray for you. I'm going to have you pray this. Because I believe God wants to bless your family and your life. To make you a blessing. I'm believing that this year we're going to see more people reached. Can I get an amen?
We're gonna see more people come to Jesus than, than, than the last two years combined. More people set free. And that's only possible because of God's hand. There, there's nothing we can come up with that's smart enough or creative enough or whatever. No, no, we need God's hand because God's the only one that can set captives free. Last week I had somebody out of the message, God began to speak to them about starting a business in this season. What's this season look like for you? I'm gonna pray that God blesses you indeed. And maybe today you've got some stuff that's, that you're carrying that's limited your faith, limited your view of the goodness of God. It's time to lay that down right now. Come on, let's just go to Jesus. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that every curse is broken. Every, every, every name that's not from you, every rejection was just a redirection. God, every disappointment, we lay at the feet of Jesus. Everything that didn't work out the way we thought it should, God, but we say, God, bless us indeed because you're good. God, bless your people today. God, you know what they need. You know what each of us needs. Bless our families. Bless our children, our marriages, our homes, our businesses, our ministries, our calling. God, I thank you that your goodness is going into action right now. And what you've blessed, nothing and no one can reverse. (laughs) God, we love you. We honor you. Now just ask him. Just ask him, Lord, enlarge my territory. God, enlarge my territory. God, help me to be salt and light. Help me to help me to see more people this year come to Jesus. Help me to help me to pray bigger prayers. Help me to have bigger faith. Help me to be a giant slayer. Because I'm around you, Jesus, the giant slayer. God, we love you. We honor you. Enlarge our territory today. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Uh, prayer team, if you come down, if you have a specific need you'd like prayer for, we'd love to have you come down. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.